are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. You said you knew This is a relationship podcast. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That's a good reason that I'm on here hosting this. Makes sense. Enneagram relationship, but also like, yeah. I told you everything already. There you go. Love can't always be this easy time. Seems to stand still when you're standing near me. When you start to learn the Enneagram, it will no doubt help you understand yourself better. But another aspect which is extremely useful is using the Enneagram as a lens to view your relationships through so you can better understand the people around you, what motivates them, their fears, their desires, and what relationships can look like. In this series, we're sitting down with different couples from the church to really have some fun conversations, to hear some stories and hear how they're using the Enneagram to better understand their relationships and keep growing together as a couple. Well, we did the tests, did multiple tests. Multiple tests. And then kind of read through each type. And then as one of us was reading, the other would be like, yep, that's you. Or, yep, that's me. Mm-hmm. Became pretty clear. Some of them were pretty like, yeah, that's spot on. Some of them were like, with Kelsey as a five, it was like, yeah, that's it. But then it, there would be the next point and be like, no, doesn't really make sense. It was like sometimes I really resonated with it. And then at other times it was, I couldn't relate. That makes sense. Then you look to six. Did you feel like when you couldn't relate to the five, did you relate to the six attributes more than the four would be on the other side of five? Yeah, I think more six than four for sure. And then I also scored high on the nine. So five, six, and nine were like my top. We're all in like 90 and 80% when I took the test. So like kind of bouncing back between the two. But I think in all, I think definitely a five, maybe wing six. We haven't gotten too far into it. So like for me, it was like I was testing high in two and eight. and But like those don't wing each other. So that was interesting how like eight can only wing what's next to it. And I wasn't really, I had a little bit of seven, which is the entertainer, I think, or something like that, where I do like to host and have fun. But... <laughs> but uh, didn't really relate to the rest of it. So there are a lot of people that don't feel confident in their numbers or are still trying to figure it out. John, for you, the eight over the two, what kind of put it over the edge for you? Was it like the desire or the fear? You know, what, what were some of the things is like, oh yeah, that's gotta be what it is. Like what tipped the scales towards that for you? I don't know. It was like this weird mix of with the eight being, I do like to obviously being self-employed, I've failed as an employee in my life (laughs) and not because they don't like respect my manager. It's just like, I always feel like I can, I want to do it better, you know? And so then I ended up being self-employed and that's why I feel like the eight calls me the most. But then at the same time, there's like this, like between eight and two, like two is more, you know, the helper, the, the generous one, whatever. Where like, it's like this weird balance of like being a leader, then trying to like step back and like, I feel awkward when someone calls me their boss. Like, that that's weird to me. I don't know why it is, but... So, I don't know. That's kind of, like, why it made sense with 8 and 2. Like, I don't feel like I should be someone's boss because maybe I've had bad experiences with leaders in the past for me. Do you have an example of one of those? 
basically every manager I've had in my life was a complete <laughs> whatever, you know. I was at IBM for a while. Sorry, I'm being <laughs> raw here. I was at IBM for a while and my manager treated me like dirt, worked super hard for him. And that's probably the biggest, most specific example. And that's what like set me into this path of entrepreneurship, which I've always kind of deeply wanted. Yeah, because, you know, when you look at the, you know, one of the eights is their need for, you know, autonomy, right? Kind of ability to do their own thing. Yep. It makes a lot of sense. Tell us about your last fight and how it relates to the Enneagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? We should have like prepped this a little bit. I'm a three and she's a nine, so we've never really had a fight. Is there anything, Sam, about the three that you're like, yes, that is probably why I'm a three? Well, yeah. And it's more than like one thing, but like the competitiveness, like the like how, you know, I have to be the best at presenting myself and all like the, there's just a lot that goes into a three that I definitely think I'm a three. I was listening to this podcast today and the guy was saying he was at his kid's soccer game and there was like three minutes left and they were losing and his kid was in there playing and he's like, why doesn't the coach just take my kid out of the game so we can win? And I literally like with junior soccer, I had that same like feeling like they need to like take junior out and put that guy in and we can win this thing. Did you ever end up taking junior out? No. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Good job. Dad. No, the coach wouldn't let him let me take dandelions on the field. She's like sitting there with another girl, like picking dandelions. And it's like, we were probably playing the Ryan's team. Yeah. And Charlotte Which, was holding hands with the other girl on the team yeah. and walking around the sidelines. She literally never touched the ball except for practice drills. Yeah. She, she did kick it once though. She touched the ball one time. In one game. And that was awesome. Yeah. And you're so proud. You're like, you're like oh, you yes. kicked it. Yes. So great. She like scored in practice. There was like a practice where she scored a goal and like, we like acted like it was like the game winner of like the championship game. What are the things you, Laura, the Sam's partner that you think make him a three or the most three? Like, what do you relate to the most about him being that? I think that like the, the drive for success, I think is huge for Sam and sort of like the concept of, you know, like the image, the successful image. And, you know, Sam has always, you know, like looking polished and wearing the name brands and somehow every shoe he wants to buy is like the most expensive one they make. It's not my fault. That is not my fault. (laughs) You could like those magazines that come and they like have like the 15 different shoes and like the little prices underneath at the bottom. I always, for some reason, pick the most expensive one. Here's a recent Sam's like type three. So I've been I've been running. (laughs) We've been running. But I've always been a runner. So Sam decides, so we got Apple Watches and we're now we're competing. So Sam decides like two days ago he's a runner. He's gonna (laughs) go on a run because he has to beat me. And (laughs) Well, I had I got a hundred and ninety dollar pair of shoes too though. There you go. That'll do it. (laughs) So then he like sprints. He just like <laughs> all out like two miles, two miles of sprint, right? So the other thing about a type three, which I can't walk today if you wanted to know. They talk about how like a type three is a liar. And 
Sam is is known in our family to embellish the truth. That is so not true. literally, not true. literally, I got a text from his mom yesterday that was like, "Sam's two mile run has quickly turned into a marathon." Nice. <laughs> He's telling everybody that he ran a marathon. So it's like the embellishment and like the competition. And then he's got to like be the most successful. So it's like a, a recent example in our marriage of um, <laughs> what it's like to live with a type three. <laughs> and I'm a nine. So like competition, there's really no draw in it for me at all. Like I just... I just don't have that like drive in me to like be the best and win. So it's, it's kind of funny in that regard. But. And then when threes stress though, they go to a nine. So do you guys ever see or relate where you're both in that same nine area? Like Laura, did you not show him how to stretch today? So he could just be in pain. I'm beyond stretching. I got the hypervolt, the stretching, hot baths. Like I am beyond. I am beyond stretching here. I am in bad shape. My height, my height too is my height too is coming into play. And you know, like I'm peacemaker, so I'm just like, oh, let me help you. Let me like make sure you're comfortable. My nine. I took a couple different tests, like over the course of a period of time, and the one I took. More recently, when we did that Becoming Us book um, with, a small, with our small group the last time, <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing at how he's running. It's like, so sorry. Oh, hamstrings. Look at those hamstrings. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, that was oh, great. No. Thanks for demonstrating that, Sam. <laughs> the dog was wanted in the bedroom. <laughs> We love that you're listening to this podcast. We are thrilled you are joining us for our Sunday online services. We'd also love for you to jump on to our virtual lobbies via Zoom calls for a little discussion behind the scenes and applications for each week's message. Here's my theory about the fullness of God. I really don't think that we're supposed to just use a number to be a crutch. I really believe that. And that's what I meant about like what you learned growing up as a survival tactic. That's something that you should lay down because it's expired. It doesn't work anymore. And God wants to, obviously, I mean, the fruit of the spirit, let's go through those and see what ones Enneagram numbers would resonate with it. And so I feel like if you're truly serving Jesus, if you're really trying to, you know, walk and follow him, I would think that he's trying to continue to refine you so that you would resonate not just strongly in one, but you could resonate in all of them in a healthy way. So that's my theory about it. My example is this, is if if you're like, man, I don't resonate at all as a number two. Well, you can say that, but I believe God wants you to be a helper in certain circumstances. He wants you to serve. He wants you to be, be that type of person and have those type of attributes. We'd love to have you join us after our online services for our virtual lobbies, a place where we can connect, discuss, and share what the Lord is speaking to us as individuals, but also as a community. My nine scored like really high. 
And so I like started reading into that and it, it honestly clicked. I think it makes a lot of sense. And my nine, it does score like really high. But reading through it, specifically through like the Becoming Us book, that was really helpful. I resonated a lot with kind of just like that core concept of a nine is like go along to get along. And I do that all the time. That's kind of my like, let's just like, it's not a big deal. Let's just like move on, brush it under the rug, like stuff it away. Like there's no interest in like a fight or hitting anything head on. So that resonated with me. And then just kind of reflecting on like the concept of like your childhood message and even some of the examples that they, they had in that book and just kind of understanding like that path of like finding yourself and who you are and struggling to kind of declare that along the way that resonated with me a lot. John and Kelsey, let's bounce back to you guys. You guys are a five and an eight in a relationship. Do you kind of know some of your strengths, some of your weaknesses, fears, desires as those numbers? Like what are some of the, what are some of the common conflict, conflict areas kind of see now and kind of how they relate? Does anything seem clearer, like more understandable about why there's conflict in certain areas? Or like, for instance, just to set an example. So Catherine and I, one of our biggest arguments, which happens probably about five out of seven days a week is what time will you be home? And I will say, I'll be home at five o'clock and then I'll be home probably around an hour after that typically. Mm -hmm. So, and that relates really well with Catherine's a one, I'm a three. And that is one of the things between one and threes that you hear just all the time is a, is a common thing is a three is going to overestimate what they can get done. Gosh, now you're making me think I'm a three. I think that exact thing happens actually in our relationship. So, I mean, even for instance, today I was asking John cause he was out seeing a property in Orinoco, like, okay, so you're out 30 minutes North of Rochester. When are you going to be home? And I'm trying to calculate this in, in my head. When is he going to be home so I can plan dinner so I can be prepared for this zoom call and all the other so things I that come like after an, that. I, I typically give like an hour range. It's like between here and here. It's unfair. I get it. Yeah, I get it. We, yeah, that's a that's a thing that happens like every day. Mm-hmm. And I'm just Gosh. looking for mainly like the communication so I can foresee and how to plan the rest of my day, I guess, even though I don't really typically have plans, but it's just nice to know. <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest thing between that we realized when we were talking last night was for an eight and a five mm-hmm. is that fives tend to like, like as an eight, I kind of want to just like solve everything tonight. Like if we get in a fight, like if I literally can't go to sleep until I figure it out and she like is, she would prefer to distance from that. And I have a hard time understanding that sometimes. And then it makes me more upset. Like where I just want to figure it out now, like let's hug it out and move on, (laughs) but it's not as easy, you know, for her. So that was interesting. Kind of, eye-opening for me. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think I cling to the type five because I like my personal space and my alone time to like think and process things. I mean, when I was studying it, it talked a lot about like your own space and alone time and withdrawn. And I wouldn't really describe myself as withdrawn, but definitely like just needing to get in my own head and like process my thoughts before moving forward with anything. Yeah. So like not quick responses, think it out and then respond. Mm -hmm. Whereas I like to just like think out loud 
Although I wish I had his trait where I could do that. I just, I can't, I don't know, just process things differently. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's good as you like keep studying it. It's also remembering like how you were raised, like Laura mentioned, like your childhood, then the nature versus nurture, birth order. And then also a lot of like people ask if Cordy is actually a five because of how he likes to research and study. And he goes like down such like long rabbit holes to find the answer. But I think out of his three, it's because he wants the right answer and he wants it to be the best, but also because of how he was raised, he has to research to make the best decision so that it's not wrong. So I think there's like kind of those loopholes and remembering like what number you are, but also like how else it applies to, like you said, Laura, your, your childhood, but also now your new relationship and your family and your kids. And like, there's so many different aspects. I think it's good to keep like knowing that you don't have to focus on that withdrawn word or that aspect, but like also looking at the like positives and the really like strengths of those numbers. I think we often forget to look at that when we're investigating ourselves. Yeah, I agree with that. I was telling John last night too, I think you could be a different number, you know, depending on a certain time in your life or I was telling him I'm quite different at work than I am at home. And so just like that transition piece of going between the numbers and going back and forth between each avenue and working towards that number in your certain scenario. Yeah, and for kids and after kids. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, or away from kids together or (laughs) with kids together, you know? (laughs) In my journey of like building my awareness, of who I am and my strengths and my weaknesses. You know, as a, a nine specifically, I think I've I've had to learn and I'm still really working on it is like knowing when something really is bothering me and when I need to be declarative and when I need to be like speaking out. And like in and I think we've been working on that because we address things very differently. My natural tendency, again, is like the go along to get along. I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to fight. And Sam just wants to like tackle it and handle it and be done with it. And so that's been a huge area for us just in understanding how we kind of approach it, I would say. And really understanding like where the other person is at. And so I think we've both kind of worked in meeting our needs to that. But for me specifically, I think it's like I have to, I've had situations where even if it's something dumb, like I let it go, I let it go, I let it go. And then all of a sudden I'm like so over it, I explode because I'm so mad. But it's not fair to him because I haven't ever voiced it to him that that was something that bugged me. Do you want to talk about it? (laughs) So our dog, we moved to a new house and we set up the flags. Like the flags, like we had an invisible fence, but we didn't have an invisible fence. So then our dog like figured that out after, I don't know, being here a while. And then we got this Garmin. It's a Garmin and you can like, it's it's like digital or uh, wireless. And it just does like a perimeter of the house, like so many feet, you know, 150 feet around the house or wherever you plug it in. The dog has a collar. Well, the dog, like the collar ran out of batteries. 
And this has happened. This is not the first time. I'll admit that. But the dog like runs into the street and like, well, somebody's like on a walk with a dog. Like he like is trying to like, you know, run at the dog, run at the dog or whatever. And anyway, so Laura has like, he gets the nasty call. So I get a, I get like a customer. <laughs> I got like a customer. I'd ask my wife calls. So like, I'll be like, Oh, it's my wife. Like I got to answer this quick. Cause I, we, I never miss a call from my wife. So I answer it and it's just like her yelling at me for like 40 seconds. And I'm at work. I'm completely helpless on what I can do. And she's just like screaming on the phone about, well, she's not screaming. She's just like, you can tell she's like super angry. And she just like has to like vent all this like emotion out of this phone call. Because this has happened like multiple times. And it's like built up. And now it's like boiled over. And I'm like just standing there like completely helpless. Like I can't help her. I can't help Rudy. Like I can't help the situation. Like I just have to like stand there and take it. Yeah. So in that situation and others. We're working through it. We're charging that collar every night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, The fence hopefully. The fence is bought and in the garage and will be installed shortly. Yeah. But I think like bigger picture, you know, for me, it's like understanding that I need to just like be vocal when something bugs me. And I also need to really understand like, you know, when something does bother me enough that I should be speaking up. So I'm a three and like, do you know, guys know what kinetic sand is? Yes. And Play-Doh. <laughs> yes. So Laura has like complete, like the kids will just make like a, a incredible mess on like the carpet, on the floor, on the rugs. And they'll have like kinetic sand and toys and everything like everywhere. And I'll like come home from work and it'll just be like, I mean, my head will like almost explode. It's like so crazy. And she's just like so super calm. Like, oh, well, they're like being creative and they're like creating their own like space. And they're like, is like a hot topic for us because even in Sam's Enneagram, it actually talks about like finding a tidy space. And there's something that I've like even read up on in in meeting him where he's at is like offering like a tidy and like comfortable space and like having a clean house is something that's really important to Sam and it's important to me but like I can let it go throughout the day like it doesn't stop me from doing all the other things I want to do so that sometimes is a like a of contention and so i i've had to like be intentional about like okay make sure i'm cleaning (laughs) cleaning the house as i go or taking time to do that and then the other thing is like the affirmation so as a three the recognition for sam is huge and even if it's something like cleaning the house I come home from like running errands and Sam spent the last hour cleaning and I don't immediately say, wow, the house looks so good. He's upset that I'm not recognizing or affirming that. So, I mean, honestly, it's something I've had to like legitimately remember to like tell Sam he did a good job. And I mean, it's something as simple as like cleaning the house. 
because for him, that's like, he needs to be recognized for that. And for me, I'm like, whatever house is good. (laughs) Being a three is difficult. I I don't know. I just want to get that on the record. Like it's tough being three. (laughs) Yeah. Cordy's opposite though. in that, aspect with our house like i don't know if it's his personality or because he was an only child Uh-oh. he doesn't what what john it's not just the house our office space cordy doesn't care oh. he'll just he'll just like we'll have lunch and he'll just leave his stuff out that's horrible i, I did got, say I to, him, to get done it's like hey cordy just shut the fridge when you're done look like grabbing a water out of there like that'd be great <laughs> just, Making progress. shut the fridge door quietly <laughs> So you don't wake up for kids. Or mine. just close it so it doesn't like get warm. Just for clarification, I get the same treatment at home. <laughs> there we go. We're all on the same. Like, like, like you, you didn't do the dishes in a day. You're in trouble. Like, I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's here. So. And a disclaimer, I feel like John's very clean and very good at like picking up after himself. So when he doesn't do it, I comment on it, I guess. <laughs> and I like to keep a clean house most of the time there's some times where i let it go but then if i am spent all day cleaning yes i want the praise when he comes home (laughs) that i have spent all day cleaning so i better get a a thank you thank you john for picking up lunch i appreciate that no problem buddy okay ryan this is nate and a five you generally think of an eight as a more loud in control, like kind of commanding and a five, you kind of think it's more withdrawn and reserved. How have you noticed that? Have you like kind of knowing that having that awareness now, have you leveled that out a bit in your relationship over the years? Or is that still, is that prominent or how, how do you feel like that has impacted kind of conflict and the relationship? I think it's definitely something we're still working on. John being a lot more social than I am. I feel like, he definitely needs the social interaction continually and very consistently where I can kind of just be happy at home and content and hanging out. But then also the factor of him doing all these extracurricular social things maybe makes me a little bit more jealous and then feel like I need to do them as well. Even though it's not quite my personality, I prefer small get-togethers versus like a very large group of people yeah we definitely have conflict in that quite often where me like not being a great communicator sometimes well like i I just like i don't plan well it's more like spontaneous and like hey let's get together and then i invite people over and i tell kelsey like two hours in advance and then we get in a huge fight And I'm like, babe, like, we're just going to like have pizza, you know, like hang out. And, but so that, that's probably one of the biggest conflicts. Like it's, it's dumb, but we argue about that stuff all the time where I'm like, I just want to hang out with people versus just like have movie nights, you know, like every night with the family, which is also fun. But. And in the end, it usually, I mean, John usually talks me down off the cliff, I guess you could say. And I end up having a good time mostly, but it's just the fact of maybe my mind not being prepared enough to like happen so soon or I'm totally fine if I know it's happening. It's just like, I guess the timing and preparation for it maybe. 
Yeah, but like, yes, you have a good time at the end of it, like talking off the cliff. But that's also, I feel like that's also, I feel guilty. Like that's a weakness of an aid is that I'm like trying to like convince you of something where, you know, it's okay to like just stay home, you know, and not have people over that night. So I don't know. It's a interesting balance. I think think it leads to the, I don't know, a question that I always have of like, do you make changes when you have this awareness now? Or just does having the awareness of it might happen help? Or yeah, are you actually going to try to do something different? I don't know. I don't have the answer. It's just kind of a general. No, that's a good question. I think definitely helps us bring more awareness to just our differences as far as like social interaction goes. And John being more mindful that I need a little bit more time and space and that me too, like maybe planning something social for him is definitely a pleasing thing for him. So to plan that and think of his needs before my own in those circumstances and vice versa for him to think of me too. I think there's just like, there's so much power in understanding yourself. And then, you know, I know the goal of the Enneagram isn't to like type other people, but when you do know their type and can begin to relate to it, I think there's extreme value in learning to adapt to that style too. And I don't, I think it's really important to be authentic and true to yourself while you're doing that. But I think there's a lot of easy ways that you can like meet them, you know, even like 10%, like, you know, Kelsey was saying, you know, like if there's something that I know is like a pleasing thing or I can do that and it's going to make a big impact, even if it's a little bit outside my comfort zone, you know, I think that's huge, especially in a relationship and in a marriage, you constantly have to meet each other where you are in in some aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, even Enneagram and everything else, it's like, if you don't have a level of compromise, then you're never really going to be able to see one another, whether it's communication or vice versa, where with us, a lot of it can come down to even, as we've been discussing, a lot of where we've found ourselves is through the conflict and through through the relationship. But I like what you're saying about how looking into, okay, like, well, what do I really need? And what does Cordy also really need? And how can I compromise in the hardest moments? And for me, that is not easy curious as a one like what is the healthy move towards another type because like for an eight it was a two seven so the like spontaneous entertainer and then the stress is a four so i feel like it's funny you say that with that seven and that like when there's an opportunity to go have fun if i am then restricted because of time or communication or schedules not lining up then i think it's kind of like that opportunity to go and be spontaneous and to have fun without plans, if it gets squashed, then I feel like the desire to communicate it again is less and less. I think one thing about the Enneagram is like understanding that ideally you're supposed to kind of encompass a little bit of every number. And I think especially in like a marriage or a relationship, learning to adapt to other numbers and 
like bring up certain numbers that you should, even in different, you know, roles or jobs that you have. I use another personality test through work that I teach and we talk a lot about like flexing. And I think in that mindset of like learning to, like I can learn to bring up my three when I need to, because that is like technically the growth pattern for the nine. So like I have a really good ability to meet Sam where he's at. I just have to be really engaged and intentional about it and vice versa. You know, Sam has a tendency to like flip to the nine on a bad day too. So like in that regard, I think it's just interesting when you kind of look at the bigger picture of like the Enneagram as a whole and how we can really be more effective in our relationships by like that flexing and adapting. I like how Laura said it was, it's definitely the Enneagram is an intentional thing. It's, like just realizing what other numbers people are and, you know, knowing that first off. But then also I think in my mind, is it good to know their number? So then do I put them in a box thinking, oh, they're this number. So this is how they perceive things and this is how they would respond or figure it out on my own. I mean, I think I can see it both ways. Like it's also great to know each and every number and how to respond to how you're communicating with people, but then not to also put them in a box. We had a really long conversation which we haven't had in a long time. And so it's it's almost like you're meeting with a therapist, but it's just you two and like talking about things. And it, it wasn't confrontational at all, which was unique because usually when we get on like heavy topics, like one of us has an opinion and drives that mm-hmm. where it was like this balance of here's this like positive, negative, positive, negative, and like relating to it. So that was kind of cool. You know, along the way, I- kind of understood this concept of that people don't necessarily do things to hurt you, but they're doing things to fulfill their own needs. So it just helps to bring clarity to, you know, oh, Catherine maybe isn't trying to actually hurt me. Maybe she's trying to fulfill her own, her own needs or whatever it is. I think it just can bring a lot of clarity when you understand why people potentially do it. And then understanding that it's not about you. It's about them especially, you know, outside of the marriage, but, you know, in the workplace and friendships and things like that, that definitely helps. One last thing that I kind of realized last night was like when we were looking at each other with this whole thing is that I always look towards like the negatives of a five. And I was like, oh yeah, you do that, you know, or like, and then she's like, well, yeah, you do that. You know, instead of like focusing on like who I am as a number or a type, you know, maybe looking and seeking more so who she is and then like the growth side of that versus like this is why you're negative (laughs) you know and like these are your weaknesses and then like focusing on those I don't know I just like weirdly like naturally drew to that yeah and to bounce off what John said too I think we definitely focused on like the conflict side of thing in this becoming us book and today I was reading more so of like the alignment with the gospel too and I think looking forward that's something obviously I need to really focus in on but for some reason too you know you always go to the conflict or how you know what it's described as right out versus going to like the Christ-centered part of it and so I'm anxious to dive in deeper with that within the Enneagram and the numbers and all of those things but aside of that is like who has God called us to be and how can we positively grow towards that as well, I think is always um, not as easy as it is to look at our failures and our weaknesses or the negative sides of the people we live with. 
like a lot of the reflection for me is like all that negativity around like the nine and just like, you know, the concept of like not really knowing who you are in Christ and um, what you're called to do and just never wanting to like take the time to really figure it out. But I was going to ask about like the wings because I have trouble like relating to the wings on the nine. But what I was thinking about when I was like writing some notes is like, I wonder if mine might be a one because I'm like, when it comes to our relationships, I feel like I like have that like really high standard and I can be overly critical and I can really get into that like one perfectionist, like there's not a lot of room for grace mode. And then as you guys were talking about like the, you know, focusing on the negatives, like sometimes I feel like I'm doing that too. And with like understanding three and where Sam's at with like where his numbers are too. But I don't know if that's like marriage in general. Aren't we all kind of that way? Like, in relationships though like ex- like here's our standard and like what we expect and if you don't meet it we get in fights yeah that's true one of the running jokes that we've been asking is like who's the eight in your marriage just of like who's that that stronger personality type that's going to tell the other person what to do but it's not a negative not a negative way but who's like that you know that in your marriage it's like Catherine is <laughs> in our marriage She's she's the eight in, in the marriage. Well, I think like Sam's more of like an like I think eight comes for you more naturally, but like in our marriage, like I don't really get a lot of that from you. I don't know. No. And I don't know. Like I feel like you treat your spouse different than you treat like your spouse and your kids you treat different than everybody else. Yeah. Being married, not like so long, but I mean almost twelve years now. You just like grow together but also don't realize you're growing and so you're just kind of going through life at this certain pace where you're not really acknowledging the changes that you're going through because it just kind of happens and so just like I think the Enneagram will definitely help us recognize like who we are and who we've grown to be. What's so great about it is because we all are so complex and so different and I mean it's just recognizing like the uniqueness of each individual. I was like, Sam, I'm buying these running shoes. I had them in my cart at Shields. They were on sale. I'm like, these are the shoes I'm going to buy. Wait for him. Like, Whatever. And he's like, I want some new shoes too. So like, let's just buy them together at the same time. Turns out we were buying the same shoes. Oh. So guess who, guess who won? Guess who won? Guess who got to buy the shoes? Oh. Sam. Sam did. Sam, of course. Well, I'm the peacemaker. She's a nine. And, he, <laughs> and I'm the pushover. And I'm like, whatever. Sam? And now I'm like angry and resentful about it because... <laughs> you want them too. So Sam got them and, and you did not. No, they were on sale. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at hey at we are the echo dot church. 
Also, we want to invite you to join us on Sundays. We are streaming our services on Facebook and YouTube at 9 a.m. U.S. Central Time, as well as 8 p.m. U.S. Central Time. This episode was produced and mixed by Just Hit Publish Productions. 